Welcome to the Lone Peak Toddcast. I am your host, Todd Dawson. We will be exploring the Lone Peak experience. All right, hello and welcome. It's Mr. Dawson once again here on the LP Toddcast. Uh, just a reminder that we're trying to connect home and school and communicate a little bit of the Lone Peak story uh, and share the Lone Peak experience. So uh, a few weeks ago in episode eight, I had Cheyenne Adams and Peter Lassen join me. They are learning coaches here uh, who uh, coach our faculty and do a great job with that. And, um, so kind of that day we sort of ran out of time and I said, well, I wanted to get them back in the next month or so. And uh, here we are today. So um, welcome you guys. Thanks for coming. And Thanks. I know you're excited, right? Definitely. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. So last time when, when you came, uh, we just, uh, for the listener and maybe for us as well, um, I had you introduce yourselves. You shared a little bit about your role as coaches in the building. Uh, you talked about what you enjoyed about being an educator when you were a classroom teacher. And, uh, we also talked a little bit about, uh, your current assignment and what you love about being a learning coach here at Lone Peak. And then, uh, gave you a chance to brag a little bit about some of the great things you're seeing from our teachers here. And, uh, so those were kind of some of our topics and we had a few other things that we never quite got to. So anyhow, we'll, we'll kind of jump into that today. So one of the things, uh, for the listener, just so you're aware that we've done is we've tried to uh, tie some collective commitments to our mission statement. And our mission statement is committing minds to inquiry, hearts to compassion and lives to the service of mankind. And so we developed some uh, collective commitments uh, a couple years ago now, and I want to talk a little bit about that to start today's episode because both Cheyenne and Peter uh, have been instrumental in helping guide that work, and so I wanted to pick their brain on, on that a little bit. Um, so why don't we talk about how we arrived at our collective commitments? Are we okay to kind of start there? Um, so as I mentioned, the mission statement, and we kind of divided it into three parts. So who wants to kind of walk us through how we arrived at that? Um, I can. Okay. So I that was actually kind of my first big project when I um, came in to be a learning coach, PLC coach. And it came about from a summer professional development because, you know, our job doesn't end in June yeah. <laughs> or May even. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we had departments get together and talk about what they thought these ideas meant based on our mission statement. And from that, a group of us gathered together and kind of found some patterns in those responses. And then from there, one of the first things Peter and I did together was actually craft some of those together, had our faculty talk about it in our August professional development before students came to school. And through that process, we developed some consensus and did some voting in order to figure out where we really want it to land. And from there, we have our collective commitments which is creating an environment where questions are encouraged, um, making connections, forging connections with students and each other, and then finally practicing um, active inclusivity rather than passive acceptance in order to really get at the heart of our community. And again, tying that back to our mission statement. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was really important as we did that to, to get that feedback from the faculty, right, and to let them kind of articulate, you know, a few ways that they thought we could make that come about and then what did, you know, arriving at that collectively. And so it's been, been good. So how would you, or how are you seeing, you know, as you work with our faculty, how are you seeing these commitments 
have impact on our school in positive ways. Peter, what are some of your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think it's important, like, the process by which we went through this and how this ends up affecting the way people act. I mean, it's, it's no secret. There's been lots of books written about it, Drive, a lot of other things that talk about motivations from people. And um, there's a book, Switch, by the Heath Brothers, I think, that, that like, how, how do you bring about change and things like that. And <clears throat> unless people have, like, their own buy-in and their own, uh, personal why to doing things, and we're generally probably not going to do them. We might check a box, we might appease something, and then turn around and do whatever matters to us. So I think it's important with teachers because, you know, our, our teachers, like, they're really, really busy. I know despite, there's sometimes we kind of tease the narrative about, like, you know, that they work these hours and they have these these breaks and the summer's off and stuff like that. But, you know, like, really, like, teachers work a lot, and it's a very very busy busy time and so sometimes if something's presented to them the idea like they feel like oh, this is one more thing to do unless that's something that was like yeah you know we need to do this in order to improve the culture of our school you know help kids you know all those types of things and really at the heart of it most teachers I mean all of them got into it because they wanted to help kids and most still feel like yeah you know what that's that's the heart of what we need to do is is help kids so anyway it just, I think I think that's important the process even though it feels slow uh, and even some of our commitments may feel to some people like small commitments. When you can name it and you can give purpose to people. And then what we did is we ended up setting goals. Each teacher set a goal in this, this area. And then Cheyenne and I, we go and we follow up. Uh, things like that. We call it nudging, you know, just to help people remember, and, you know, things like that. Then, then you have better success of, of these things happening. So I didn't exactly answer your question on that front, but I think that that process is important and and. I just want to like relay that we're being we're trying to be very deliberate about the way we're doing things. Yep. We're trying to yeah, like Cheyenne last time used the word experiment. Like we are always trying to experiment but in the most deliberate uh intentful ways mm-hmm. and just to make create great culture, connection community, all those things. So anyway. Yeah, essentially the idea is that we're creating ownership rather than buy-in. We don't want people just to buy in because, like Peter said, that becomes a checkbox. Whereas we let them experiment and make decisions, then they're a part of that process and can own it. And so through that, like he said, we decided on these collective commitments, but from there they can be individualized for individual teachers of what does that look like in their classroom. Maybe they're focusing on one commitment um, more than another in order to really refine their practice. That's where their need is. And that's kind of where we come in. We get to go and have conversations with teachers and build ideas of how to measure improvement and success in their personal goals. Yeah, the, the you know, buy-in feels like convincing, mm. right? Yes. Whereas ownership feels like creating. And, and I think that there's there's value in, in involving people from the, from the, from the start. And, um, you know, Peter, you mentioned that in some ways, you know, when you hear a, a concept or a commitment of we will create an environment where questions are encouraged, you think, well, yeah, I mean, isn't that... Just say questions know, are encouraged. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but there's something to being intentional about that and to mm-hmm. reflecting on that and to talking about that as something we've agreed to. Like, one of the things we agree that we'll do here is that we'll create an environment where questions are encouraged think about that in my in my role in your role in the teacher role in a coach like like if we're all in that mindset then we're producing an atmosphere of openness and an atmosphere of curiosity and an atmosphere of care that um, the more intentional you get at that the better you're going to be right what were you going to say oh well it's like 
you know, this is making a leap into a bigger topic, and we don't necessarily have to stay there. But I, um, I think there's there's um, I'm losing my train of thought. Give me a second. <laughs> That's fine. Um, no, well, we we talked about um, just being more deliberate about about things. Uh, we're trying to make this leap and evolve as a as a practice. Like things are evolving so fast. And anyone who's like, I'm sure there, there, there's people in our community that run businesses that, that have people underneath them, all those types of things to, to develop uh, common commitments and things that buy in is really, really hard and tricky. And particularly in a, in a, in a, a place where we are working with our clientele, I don't want to call it product because that sounds bad, but I'm just making a comparison is kids. It's all human beings. Mm-hmm. And that is so tricky and hard to manage on the outside. It doesn't look like, but it really is. So like to come to that and to move an institution like a school forward and to make sure that the product is high quality and, and, and we're being deliberate about those things. It's, it's, it's a task. It's a mm-hmm. task and it's kind of slow and things like that, but we are trying really hard to measure our successes, act accordingly, all those types of things. So I, if, yeah, yeah anyway, one of the things, you know, since we when we started the collective commitments and the third, the, the third tenet of the mission statement is lives to the service of mankind. And the, the commitment that our staff came up with that ties to that is model active inclusivity rather than passive acceptance, which I think to some of our staff, they thought, how did we get there when we're talking about lives to the service of mankind, mm. right? But... I, I've I've thought about that over these last you know this last year and a half, and I think there's something beautiful about those two things being married together in 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 a train of thought. In that, when we are committed, or when when our students, you know, if if our mission is to help kids get to that place in their lives that they're they have a life committed to a service of mankind, um, you really have to have an inclusive mindset. You have to be able to um, engage in active inclusivity rather than passive acceptance. And so that's been an interesting one for me, especially even through doing these, uh, this podcast, um, the, the sense of belonging enters the conversation quite frequently as I talk to people about what Lone Peak's getting right for them and maybe what Lone Peak could be doing better. Um, that, that thread has, has come through that thread has come through a few times. Um, and so I think it's a, a, a great commitment of our faculty to, to be more engaged in how are we including, how are we modeling this? And so that's, that's been just a point of learning, I think, for me personally, but also it's been fun to see our staff start to engage in that a little bit. So what are some other things that, you know, you mentioned that people are setting goals, that you guys are having conversations around those goals. What's that been like for you, and what are what are some of the good you're seeing uh, come from that? That's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think of like some particulars of teachers trying really awesome things to improve relationships with students or creating questions in their classroom. Um, one of our teachers, Mr. Nair, he's a physics teacher. Last year, in order to forge those connections with students, he actually made sure that every semester he sat down with every single one of his students and asked them personal questions. And he would have a list of questions up on the board, and he'd say, like, if there's one in particular you'd like me to ask you, like, tell me, we'll talk about that one first. Otherwise, I'm just going to pick a few and 
get to know you better and then eventually turned it into like a conversation about what motivates you to learn what motivates you to engage and having deeper conversations where students can have a voice in how they engage in the learning in his classroom and he talked about how at first he was a little bit worried about the time commitment involved because that does take a lot of time to have one-on-one conversations with 35 plus kids for every period he teaches and at the end of the year he said I still think it might be worth the time commitment because I got to know those kids at a different level and got to understand their learning better and in that way I think that we made some gains that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Um, And maybe those gains aren't necessarily measurable, but still powerful in his classroom in terms of the environment. Well, Um, and probably for him as a teacher to, through that collective commitment, have that door open, that that's that's a great thing to do in your classroom. Definitely. It's not delivering instruction about physics, but it's it's helping live our mission. Yes. You know, that... that, uh, forging connections and, and, and committing hearts to compassion, right? Yes. That's tied to. And so well, it's a and great one way could of that, that. It ties into the other <laughs> commitments too in that like he's showing that I can ask questions to get you know better, get to know you better. Like I don't have to sit here and wait yes. to passively accept the information you're willing to volunteer. Like yeah. he's actually in, interested and engaged, which forges, forges that connection. But then also like I think about kids that sometimes as teachers we just miss because – you are a strong learner. You are independent. You you don't have any term like kind of will issues that we might need to correct, and so sometimes they fly under the radar, and it just is what it is. But he's actively mitigating that by going and making sure every single kid is talked to. That way, no one is flying under that radar. So yeah. beautiful. So we're in a the the job is interesting in the sense that. You know, if you were to say, what's the, what's the school's purpose? And it's often like, well, you know, we teach kids and we have math, we have science, we have, a, you know, na- name, the, name the subjects. There's always that underlying or surrounding factor of like the ethical or moral obligation that is like teaching. And so, you know, as you think about this, it's, it's a moral endeavor for teachers. Maybe it's not always for kids, but when you start mixing that in there, and then I use the word product before, uh, we'll just say we have our students that come in. We have 240 kids. Some teachers have, have 240 kids. To try and know them each individually, you know, that takes a lot of work, but it's also proven to pay dividends on the on the other side there. So uh, all the research that we have uh, and all of our perceptual data and all those types of things says when you have a better relationship with the kid, learning improves. When you have a better relationship with the kid, behavior, willingness to trust you, all those things, they all improve. So we use a term sometimes in education, like go slow to go fast type thing. That's the go slow to go fast, which is I got to create this. So we had uh, we had uh, Nair doing that. We had uh, another teacher, Mr. Saunders. His was literally just to say thank you when kids ask questions. And he said it's a silly thing, but he noticed a, a, a difference in the way kids reacted to it was okay to ask questions, yeah. even cool. if they felt like it was silly. Just, hey, thanks for that question. And he said, and he just continued to do it over and over and over. And he said, like, he sees kids relax a little bit more and like, oh, it is okay to ask this question. I don't feel dumb. Therefore, more learning is going to take place. We're more engaged, Mm -hmm. all those types of things. Um, We've got uh, Mr. Rutke, who he wanted to do inclusivity. So he found, he said he was going to look for kids. I can't remember the exact, he's like looking for kids who looked lonely or were just kind of like hanging out, didn't look like they have a group. And he invited them in once a term, bought some pizza, had, had, 
had great conversation had some lunch kids wasn't about school just chatted but he said that he saw the dividends in the classroom he brought them in for pizza just to shoot the bowl about their lives and then later in the classroom those kids were more engaged more interested behaved better all the above so it's it's kind of neat how it all ties together yeah i love that thank you so much um sorry if 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 the sound is weird, we're having some sound weirdness, so <laughs> bear with us. Keep listening. Okay, so uh, one of the questions that I've uh, really enjoyed asking uh, guests is um, kind of two parts. One is, you know, what's Lone Peak getting right for you? The other is, what can we do better? And so I'm going to uh, have you guys kind of answer that first one. And I want you to think about you personally. And, you know, when you think about you, uh, not so much the staff at large, but when you think about you, what is Lone Peak getting right for you? Let's start with Peter. Oh, that's a good question. Um, we have a job that, in the grand scheme of things, relatively speaking, is really, really new. And we are still building this plane in the air, the coaching position. Uh, we talk at a district level all the time. I'm part of two schools. I'm a Lone Peak. I'm a Mountain Ridge. And I also have district obligations. And we talk as, as a group. Uh, the coaching group of, you know, are we being successful? Are we not? And, and we're trying to figure these things out. Um, the research will say coaching is beneficial. There's lots of things about it. Atul Gawande has given a TED talk on it, talked about how he had a coach and how players have coaches and all these types of things. And, you know, it's kind of been a movement over the past little bit in the professional arenas. Um, so when I think about the coaching endeavor and our aims to help teachers in any way we can, which should ultimately help student learning. That's the ultimate goal. What I what I love about Lone Peak and what we have set up here between Cheyenne and me and the administration and some of our uh, the leadership team and our and our content training training leaders, content area leaders, uh, is that we've been given a green light. And I think this is good by our administration. We've been the green light to experiment and to explore and to figure out what is working and what is not in order to make this the best product possible. Uh, I'm kind of a sky is falling guy in a lot of ways, and I get really <laughs> nervous for public education, and I, I read polls. I just read a poll yesterday about public perception, and I get all worried about it and all this type of stuff. But without these types of programs that we're trying, we don't improve. We can't get better. We can't continue to, to get the best product possible for the kids and therefore the community and their futures, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I love that we have this, this group that we can exchange ideas, try things, come back, try again, talk some more. Did it work? Did it not? That's working for me. That drives me. I, I, I like that. It's validating. Mm-hmm. Some days are really hard. <laughs> some days are really good. But, yeah, anyway. So let me ask you this. before we hear Cheyenne's uh, take. So for you, you know, you're split between a couple of schools, right? Yes. So you're yes. kind of balancing that. And so when you come to Lone Peak, you know, where you're here, part of your, your schedule, yeah. how, how are you feeling connected here? Um, it's funny. It's like, this is, I don't want it's this. It's me. Yeah, it's Cheyenne. It's Cheyenne. <laughs> Cheyenne's awesome. This, I don't want this to sound trite because it could seem like a very stereotypical answer, which I don't necessarily always love giving, but it's, but it's a true one. So I want to give it. Which is, I come in when I walk through the office, merrily our head, our, our, our attendant secretary or who, our receptionist, receptionist yeah. she, hey, how you doing? Lynn, always giving me a hard time, but it's always, we're laughing. 
you know, I, I can go through the administrative, uh, you know, Todd and Ryan and Justin, everyone, everyone says, hi, how's it going? And, and there's a good feeling there. Todd's talked a lot in our private conversations and our more like uh, public conversations about getting the soil right. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd's the king of analogies. And so, like, when we, but we're talking about getting the soil right. But when I come to Lone Peak, I feel welcome and I feel happy. And I walk down the halls and I say hi to people and I feel genuinely like people like, oh, hey, Peter. And they are curious. They're interested in me as a person and as a colleague. And it feels good. And then when I go in my coaching office where Cheyenne and I are, there's a good feeling. We're talking where it's challenging but rewarding. And, you know, so I, it feels good. It feels I, I taught, for, for context, super quick, I taught at Timberline for, fi- for 15 years, 14 years, and that was home. That was my home, and I was really nervous to leave Timberline. Yeah. And I'd made the switch from Timberline to Mountain Ridge. That was a request of mine because I wanted to grow. And so then I switched uh, from, so now I do Mountain Ridge, Lone Peak, and then, and then uh, some other district things. But now I consider Lone Peak my home, and it feels good. Mm-hmm. I like coming here. It's comfortable. It's nice. And, and I, yeah, it's home. So that's good. Thank you. Cheyenne, what's Lone Peak getting right for you? I think I'm going to echo a lot of Peter's sentiments here. Um, I really like your word belonging from a little bit ago. And I, I think this is the first school I felt like I've belonged in. Um, a little bit of background for me. This is the only school I've ever stayed at for more than a year. And that's not to say that the other schools weren't awesome in their own ways, but it didn't feel like the place I needed to be. And this, even there's been times where I've questioned my career choices. Like, is this really where I want to be? And every single year it comes back to, no, I need to be at Lone Peak. Like, there's something here for me. There's something still that I have in my heart that I feel like I need to give or offer to the people in this building. And a lot of it does come down to the colleagues. Like, in so many ways, they're great mentors for me in terms of being an educator and and in terms of instruction and improving my craft. But they've also been here for me in some of the hardest times of my life. Um, I, I have a son who had croup this year, and it still shocked me that I had multiple faculty members reach out to me who we don't talk to on a regular basis, but they reached out and were like, hey, can we pick up groceries for you? Like, your house is on our way home. We'd be happy to stop by and do that. Or what do you need? Do you need to take a shower? We'll watch the boy while you're doing that. And it's just I've never been in a place where people are that concerned for my well-being outside of my professional existence as well. So I think that's a beautiful thing we have here, both in our faculty members and in our students. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Okay, now kind of a harder question, though. Um, as you interact with our staff and as you you know, have, have the context that you do in your uh, own experiences um, and, and kind of having the ears and the influence and the trust of our staff, what are some things we're not maybe getting right? What, if you were to say, man, there was, there was an area that we're kind of falling down, it might be this or it could be this, or how do we get better? Like what, what might you see as an area? Um, I don't want to say what's Lone Peak getting wrong, but I, mm-hmm. I am curious to know like what's, what's something that hits your radar that you're like, this, this needs to be addressed. Mm. you have anything like that on your mind, Peter? You're going to start with Cheyenne. <laughs> I can step in. Okay. No, I, yeah, e- either way, I, I, I can talk. Go ahead, Cheyenne. I started the last one. Um, I think something that I have been thinking about a lot in terms of myself as well as just everyone in this building is consistency. Um, we're living in 
in a, the tech world, they call it Volca, but it's like volatile, uncertain. And there's just a lot of unknowns in our world right now. And, you know, kids grow up needing certainty. They need structure. They need to know systems. Um, I think about this a lot, again, with my toddler. Like, we have systems in place to create this feeling of safety. And when you're living in a world that's not, how do you create that in a building? And not just create it in the building, but create it so that way it's consistent in every single classroom here. Are messages consistent to students? And that can be really hard to do when you're talking to, you know, 200 plus students, plus you're talking to faculty, plus you're balancing all of your philosophical training from your education classes, plus your home life, plus the science behind teaching as well. And it can be really hard to figure out what is my clear message, especially when so much what we of what we do is time strained, you know, like you have to know the answer now. So here's my answer now. And so I think that leads us to sometimes being a little inconsistent in our messaging, not with any ill will or poor intent, but it does happen. And so I think about how that could be confusing to my colleagues who I get to interact with a lot, especially in leadership roles, but also like, how are we being consistent with students, like having to navigate so many different systems, different teachers on a daily basis can be incredibly hard. So how do we honor knowing that kids need consistency while also honoring teacher autonomy and personality and individuality? I think, um, I don't know that anyone has this answer, but that's something that I think um, we could focus on and improve in collectively. I appreciate that. And I think uh, for the adults as well, you know, we've talked sometimes in our leadership teams and, and sometimes even just, you know, in smaller groups about the need to clarify some of our systems even for the adults, right? And figuring out how, how do we make the workplace make sense? How do we make it feel uh, like I know what to do when this or I know, you know, just, and I think that that's uh, that, that consistency element plays out it's, it's probably a, a human need right to, absolutely to have, have that peter what would you say or um i can't remember if we said this last time or if it was just a discussion that shine and i were having with another another teacher i think that's what it was um someone said if they could describe the faculty at lone peak in a word what would it be mm. and and i said defensive mm. Um, again, with my sky's falling approach, we've got people feeling as though we're starting to miss on support from the community. We're starting to miss on the way, like, like we're under attack or something like that. And I'm not saying it necessarily is, but the perception is that way mm-hmm. when absenteeism is the worst it's ever been when we're, we're like a state of flux. I mean, I don't think any of the things that are happening as far as the way we learn and all these types of things that have happened, we say like pre-COVID, post-COVID, a lot of these things were going to happen anyway, but COVID like made everything go super fast. Mm-hmm. And the the use of technology and all this, AI, all this has made everything go really fast. And it's hard for an education entity to change that fast. For a lot of the reasons I said before, we are working with human beings thousands of human beings every day it is so hard it's hurting cats you know type thing and it's really tricky so i think a default psychological uh, go-to would be being defensive Mm -hmm. i work really hard i i put together a lot of things i'm doing the best i can i care about your kids 
and then in the and, and but then to feel like in a lot of ways either it's not appreciated, which I actually think it is appreciated. It's just not seen. It's a feeling that we default too often of being defensive. So when we go through and say, hey, look, in what ways can we do better, the defensiveness comes up. So I do think that Todd cued on to this, I think, fairly early when he came over, which I think helped drive some of the, we've got to improve the soil here. We've got to pr- improve perception of both what we're seeing and what others are seeing and all that. And so like, we're, we're, we're in it. We're, we're, we're doing our best here. Um, but I, I understand why teachers get that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a base survival reaction to something they feel is a threat. And even if it's not, it's perceived that way. Especially when I would argue most teachers feel like this isn't just, you know, a job. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is a vocation. Yeah. This is a calling. Like it, it's an essential part of your identity, especially when you live in the community. Like kids don't just see you as another community member. You're my teacher. And so in that way, you're kind of under surveillance in a different way than you would be perhaps in a different career. And so... Mm. When things get so personal, it's easy to go to defense if anything's being critiqued because that feels like it's a part of your identity. Yeah, for sure. And so that is really hard to separate. Well, I mean, it was just literally an hour ago. We had a teacher in our office. Just needed to talk. It's the end of the term. End of terms for anyone who has not worked in school is (laughs) absolute chaos. It is crazy chaos. And I know for those of you who have have kids at home, you know how chaotic that is. Times that by 2,500. And it's just crazy. So everyone's on edge a little bit. Everyone's working hard. Everyone's staying up late. Everyone's tired. Mm-hmm. You know all this, but we had a teacher down there, and they knew what they said wasn't true, but they felt it. What they felt was true, which was, gosh, you know, they kind of said, and then they even alluded to the fact, like, like I know this isn't true, but I just felt like, like I didn't even view me as a human, just barely, because they had just been been like torn up and down by it by a kid of over something and they and they were they were like it was coming out as defensive they were hurt yeah it was they were super hurt, hurt. Yeah. and they but it came out as defensiveness and they were frustrated and they just need to vent for a minute and they knew what it sounded like but they were hurt mm-hmm. and because they had put their all into something and then it had been yeah and, and that, that's a tricky place to be for sure yeah, yeah. no thank you for <clears throat> for sharing both those things i think they're spot on I think that uh, you know the the thing that's interesting about education um, and you know these aren't necessarily my own ideas I'll articulate them I guess in my own way but you know I heard it said once that you know if you worked in a in a restaurant for a dozen years as a dishwasher you might think you know something about managing a restaurant Mm. And because it would follow that you've seen a lot, that you, you, you've watched, you know, how people are seated by the hostess. You've watched how the busboy brings the dishes to the back room. You've seen the waitresses and waiters do their jobs. You've seen the manager b- build a schedule. Um, <coughs> but, uh, I- and so the, the, the comparison is that in, in education, everybody's spent 12 years. The adults that are now parents spent 12 years in, in school as a student, and they know something of how schools work. And most of our clientele, even more, yep. most of mm-hmm. our demographic, because yep. they have grad degrees and, and so all those things. Yeah. In the same kind of comparison, it, it follows that it might be easy to assume that you know what being a teacher is like. Mm-hmm. And, and probably to some degree, there's some accuracy there. I think, For sure. You know, like, uh, 
but I think there's also just so many other layers that if I were to move from, uh, you know, being the dishwasher in the restaurant to then all of a sudden uh, managing the restaurant, I would go, oh, man, I probably missed the boat on that. Or, oh, I wish I would have given a little more grace here or a little more support in this way. And, and I think that, um, you know, the more proactive that we can be in things like this podcast and telling our story, I think the more proactive we can be in, in making a choice to partner early with parents is in, in sometimes really small ways, you know. Um, uh, and, and I think the thing that comes out again and again is, is it's not always willingness. It's, it's so often it's time. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, um, how, how do we partner in a way that now um, <clears throat> isn't adding hours and hours to an already very busy lifestyle as, yeah. as a teacher and as an educator? Um, well, you're never going to believe what I'm about to tell you, but uh, we're at 33 minutes <laughs> right now. <laughs> which, yeah. hey, which is good news and bad news. The, the good we're coming back. The good news is that uh, you two are quickly becoming uh, two of my favorite guests, <laughs> and uh, we'll definitely have to um, have you on again here in, a, in another month or so. Um, I know you're always willing to sit and visit, so... Um, any any thoughts, you know, that maybe questions I haven't asked today, anything that as you're sitting there, you're like, you know, this is on my mind, and maybe I'll say it just so that, you know, who knows what the next podcast conversation will lead to. But do you have any any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up today's episode, anything pertaining to what we talked about or maybe even unrelated? I, I think something that kind of ties this all together and maybe a food for thought or action step I love action steps at the end of meetings (laughs) is to to remember like be curious first right like creating that environment where questions are encouraged like let's ask questions before we make assumptions um I think that's something that I know as a coach I've really had to practice of like okay tell me your thinking behind that decision or what's your intended outcome like is what we're talking about really reaching that intended outcome And in terms of communicating with parents or the other way around, with parents communicating with teachers, I think it's always good to um, ask questions first. Like, this is my understanding. What am I missing? What what piece of the puzzle am I, like, forgetting? And I think that as we ask more questions, I think communication can be cleared up and we can have positive relationships. We can forge connections better because it shows we're curious about each other. And and then we we can really see each other's perspective and... be more united, and we, we need that today, yeah. you know? We need to be united. I have a quote on my wall in my office that says, we can either understand through assumptions or we can understand through questions. Mm, I love that. Right? And, and that, you know, I think that's always appropriate to, to start with some questions, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to engage. Um, another quote that hangs on my wall is from uh, Jimmy Cassis from uh, his book Culture Eyes, and he basically said, you know, at the heart of every every challenge is a conversation to be had mm-hmm. you know and it's 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 often just figuring out how do we open the dialogue right definitely how do, how do we just engage in in a true authentic exchange you yeah know? and i think that le- leads to <laughs> to growth it leads to support it leads to understanding mm-hmm. um kind of all, all of those things which which then our staff our parents and our students can benefit from so okay 
Well, this has been so much fun. Uh, thank you so much. We want to just remind our listener uh, to be kind, be courageous, and be a knight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.